Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Today, we got a special guest on the program. We've got Aaron Broughton from Foothills Fabrication and F2 Performance Supplies. You might know the name or have seen the car. Aaron Broughton had one of the first cars that kind of hit the scene in the early 2000s, and it was the Diamond Green Oval that had tons of detail to it. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard a lot of people reference Aaron's car as far as cars that inspired him to get things going. And, and it's kind of the car that we talk about that kicked off the the whole super detail in the things. So, uh, I'd like to welcome Aaron to the podcast. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going, Bill? Good, man. Good. So I've uh, been wanting to get you on here for a little while and just to kind of get our listeners up to snuff. Um, you kind of, uh, you've, you've got a lot of history that we're going to dig into, kind of where you started, where you're at, and uh, probably the, one of the most, um, one of the most popular things you're known from the VW scene was your diamond green oval that you had that you debuted. I think it was 2003. Is uh, you I think it was car. 04. 04. Yeah. Probably well, I remember, at this point, right? Yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're I, I looked at the, one of the magazines and when there was a small snapshot of you on the cover from the 2003 classic that published. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty awesome car. We're going to get into that car in a little bit, but kind of the way we start the podcast here is we first kind of dig into how you got into VWs in the beginning. So what's, what's your VW story and how'd you get into it? That's a good question. Um, I got, you know, some buddy, actually a buddy of mine I went to uh, elementary school with, and his uh, his stepdad was, you know, big in the Volkswagen stuff, the dune buggy stuff. This was, you know, early 80s. He, me and this guy have been friends since, like, fifth grade, you know. And uh, they were they were in the Volkswagen stuff. Then when we got into high school, he, uh, he ended up buying a 66, you know, Beetle. And uh, they, they, they started working on it, and, I you know, I was – into cars, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything I was totally locked into yet. I always liked 67 to 72 Chevy trucks, even like, you know, from when I was about 13 or so. And, uh, but at the time it was like, oh, you know, you're scraping money together and just figuring regular stuff out and, you know, playing with toys and RC cars and crap like that. You know what I mean? And, uh, but once we started getting into the real stuff, it was like, you know, I, I, I looked at the trucks and I was like, man, they're, you know, kind of pricey even back then, you know, for a young kid to get into. And uh, so I kind of went the Volkswagen route, and then just you know, once you get into that, you're kind of you, you once you're bit, you're bit, you know, you're 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 into it for life. So um, I want to say I had probably a few, a few different cars, nothing spectacular before that car. And then when I actually got the the '57, um, I was driving it to college for 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 a couple minutes at least, and then uh, you know, till I ended up taking it apart and started doing yeah. the transformation. So getting into VWs, is there any car that you remember like before you were coming up that was in the magazine and stuff? Any cars in particular that stood out to you that kind of inspired you for for Volkswagens? Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I, I remember a lot of the DKP cars, you know, the iconic ones, you know, Bill Schwimmer's car. Um, and then, you know, it was funny too. Uh, I remember not too long before I – became friends with him. I remember Ryan Reed's car coming out, you know, in Hobby W's. And it was like, oh, man, he's in Corona, too. And I'd seen that car around, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, through that, we connected. And we've been friends for, you know, 20-plus years or how long it's been, you know. So both both of you guys are based out of Corona. You you got into fabrication. That's your shop now, Foothill Fabrication, FT Performance Supply, where you do a bunch of sales and fabrication and parts that you sell and stuff like that. Right. Um, which we'll get into in a little while. But, um before that, how did, how did you end up getting into fabrication and automotive, uh, you know, fabrication and design and stuff like that? Um, you know, in the beginning, I when I got out of high school, I was like, you know, I was hungry to learn different stuff and wasn't really sure 
what direction I was headed. At one point, I wanted to paint cars, and I took a bunch of classes at the local, you know, uh, community college. And, you know, when I was there, there was a teacher was pretty, you know, kind of like a guy from the old days, you know, and he, and he would teach people how to do metal finishing and a little bit of lead work and stuff like that, and kind of, kind of the right way to do stuff. And uh, so I was fortunate enough to get to experience that with him. But as time went on, I, I realized, man, I hate sanding. So I, I, I kind of morphed the other direction, you know. And uh, uh, an old friend had taken me by a, a local shop. The guy did like a lot of, uh, he was kind of an old street racer type, you know, not old guy, but he was a street racer type guy. And uh, I went by there and I saw the TIG welds on everything and, you know, just super clean work. And, you know, I, I was just kind of like, I knew as soon as I saw the work, I was like, this is what I want to be doing. You know, this is the direction I'm going to go. And I kind of came, you know, became obsessed with learning how to weld. And, you know, and from there, it just turns into everything else down the line. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, and, and out of wanting to be creative. And, and at the same time, it was, uh, you know, you're looking at like, hey, this guy's going and having these, you know, crazy expensive cars built. It's like, well, obviously, at a, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, it's like that, that's not on my radar but I want to learn how to do it myself. Plus I was, you know, you want to, you want to make your own stuff, you know? And, right. Uh, so anyways, I worked at a company in Temecula and they happened to have a TIG welder and, and it actually, you know, a few of us Volkswagen guys worked there and uh, it was actually through Ryan, Ryan Reed's brother. It got us all, you know, it got us all jobs there at one point, but um, so yeah. I kind of worked it out where I'd, I'd go on to, you know, we'd have a, a, a break in the morning a half hour break in the morning and then our lunch. Well, I started eating lunch in the morning and I'd go on the welder at lunch and just practice every day until I kind of picked it up. So that was kind of the start of the, the welding part, you know, from there it kind of obviously grew to this, you know? Uh, and so now, now take me back to when you built the car. So when you built, when you built the diamond green car, um, now that was 57. Yeah. So 57 oval. I mean, it was one of the cars that like, it was one of the first ones that started coming out that had all the button head Allens and all that kind of stuff. And really a lot of the little detail stuff Where where do you get a lot of that inspiration from where you saw those little, the little tiny details that you saw? Uh, you know, I had been around some of it. And then, you know, when I became friends with Ryan, you know, he, he'd been around more stuff than I had through his brother. And, um, you know, I learned a lot of stuff through, through just being friends with him. But, uh, at that point, we were working in Temecula area. We would stop by a hot rod, this hot rod shop uh, by Fat Jack on the way home for work sometimes and check out his stuff. And he would do you know, real crazy, you know, a lot of hand-built stuff and the washers, the anodized washers and all that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of picked up a lot of that from there. And then, you know, some stuff from the race car shop, some stuff from Fat Jack's. And, you know, and then eventually I went to SoCal Speed Shop and worked there for a number of years and learned a lot there. And I, I've kind of been, you know, I luckily I got to learn a lot of different stuff from different places and kind of morph it all together to, to what I like, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt. It's, it, it, it's interesting because when you look at the Diamond Green car, a lot of, you know, it was kind of a Resto custom, like a Resto mod type thing, but it was done really in a way that kind of, you know, we're, we're coming out of that evolution of billets to fade out you know the billet dash inserts and the and, right. and the little billet pieces here and there and the decklet standoffs and all these things and then you know you kind of bring that car out and that car like really sets a benchmark when it comes out i think part of it was the color you know di a lot of people hadn't really started playing with the factory colors yet right. and so that and then the seat upholstery you know the seats upholstered real nice and tight and and thin instead of like the typical 
you know, you take it to a, a, a upholstery shop and they completely overstuff the seats and look like big right. giant biscuits in the car and stuff. That car, when that car comes out, um, are you surprised the attention that car is getting? Kind of, you know, and I'm not really like an attention type person, you know, I'm kind of more low key. And yeah. uh, I remember the first time we brought it out, we went to the, I think it was actually 03, thinking back on it now. We went to the, you know, the DKP cruise night was the first place I ever took it. And I got it. I, we drove in. It was like all these eyes were on us. I was just like, oh, this is weird. You know, I didn't, you know, it was, it was kind of like strange for me. And, and I figured it would get, you know, a little bit of attention, but I didn't really thought that much about it. You know, just kind of my art piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, so you're you know, getting a lot. You're getting a lot of attention with that car. Now, when you debuted it, like obviously, was that you debuted it Classic Weekend? Yeah. And then brought it to the DKP meet because I mean, since the early 2000s, I was going, you know, or late 90s, I was going to the DKP meet because I was always the thing you did Friday night. You go to the DKP right. meet, kind of check that out, see what's going on, and then usually like the real head, the the, the stunning cars that'll be at the show on Sunday, they're all there, kind of in the in the reserved parking spaces right there right. at. Uh, Nick Superburger. So, did you get parked up there where, where the debut cars were? Yeah, we kind of pulled in, and uh, you know, it was actually me and Ryan were cruising together. He had the beige rag top. We came in there, and you know, we kind of parked up in the front there, and uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, now everyone's got something to check out for you know this round of deal of the deal, you know. And uh, for me, it's like, all right, and, you know, then everybody wants to come and talk to you and ask you five thousand questions, and it's like, okay, I need to. I need to catch a breath here, but it was cool, right. you know, it was a different experience. Yeah, no, it's pretty wild. Like, you you know, your head starts spinning because all of a sudden people are just peppering you from all sides, asking you all kinds of questions. Right. I, I remember seeing that car, man, and I was just like, holy crap, man, this thing is just sick. Like, it was just the way it was the stance, the wheels, the interior, everything that was done in that car. Now, what do you think now, looking back, I mean, you're talking that's, what's that, 15 years ago, right? That's 15 uh, years ago. what, longer, right? Yeah, 15, 15, 15, yeah, 15 yeah, 16 15, years. years ago, I don't know. So, and now you look at the scene now because now you haven't had a car. You haven't had a car for you that you've come out with in a while. And uh, just lowered it and kind of spruced it up. It was kind of like a, it was kind of a project, but we didn't take it that far. And then a little bit later, he, he had that car, the great car, the, the Zwitter. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he bought the car. I think it came out of Belgium or something. And I don't know if someone back east ended up with it. And I think it, like as it went down the line, it, you know, had a bunch of parts robbed off of it. You know, five-speed transmission was taken out of it, stuff like that. So, he ended up doing another five-speed for it, but he was obsessed with having a uh, the Porsche engine in it. And I was kind of like, at the point, at that time, I was like, well, I mean, you know, there's some neat things about it, but I don't, I don't think it's a necessary thing. He kind of thought it was going to be a deal where it's like, oh, the car's going to be running so much smoother and better with the Porsche engine, but it's like, right. hey, it's old technology, you know, but hey, whatever. That makes you happy. It's cool. So uh, he had had the, the engine and transmission put in it at a shop down closer to him. He's kind of from uh, San Diego area. And... Uh, 
Well, he was having a few issues with it, you know, noises and different things. And uh, the car came up to us and, you know, it had a bunch of different issues. And, you know, the, the interior wasn't that nice in it and a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of little stuff. He decided he wanted to rewire it. So it kind of turned into a upholstery wiring, you know, pulled the engine out. That ended up getting rebuilt and some more correct early parts put on it to make it look a little different and better. Um, you know, things like that. It wasn't like a real crazy deal. We didn't have the wheels painted and polished and. You know, he, he kind of picked out the tires for it, which eh, wasn't my top choice in sizes, but, you know, kind of kind of just what he was wanting for, for something he wanted to daily drive. So, um, you know, we, we got involved with that. That As far as Volkswagens go, I guess, jumping around here. So Yeah, yeah, it's okay. As nope. far as Volkswagens go, you know, we've got a car in the shop right now. We'll get to that later. But um, as far as, you know, building a complete car for anybody, we really haven't got too much we'll kind of do bits and pieces on the volkswagen stuff and they usually go and you know we've done some stuff for buddy um collaborated on like little parts and things and then uh in fact when i met him was um i'd heard about him but never had met him didn't know what he looked like and i seen he had a, a pan on a trailer at Wolfsburg west one day and uh you know that's kind of how i first got intro to him and then he was like hey i got this car we need to fix some wiring on so he brought it over and it was, you know, being the, that rolling blackout car, which, you know, yeah. that's a whole different story. But <laughs> Night, Nightmare rolling. I mean, that car had to be a crazy car. Did you, did you do the wiring on that car? Yeah. Man. So and Scott here did the wiring and, uh, you know, and that's, well, we'll get into that. But so this winter, we, we brought that in, did that, built like a custom gauge panel for the dash, just, you know. He went outfit with some Porsche stuff. We lowered the seats because he's a really tall guy and did a bunch of a bunch of stuff to accommodate him, but try to give it a little different flavor, you know, something different than the norm normal deal. But that car had a really, really nice interior in it. I mean, nicer oh, yeah. than any Volkswagen I've owned or, you know, pretty much seen out there. But, uh, you know, cool car. And I think it just actually sold maybe about six months ago to a guy, I think, in Orange County somewhere out here. So it might Did he sell it? Yeah. Man. You know, it's funny. I saw that car. I was, I was cruising through your Facebook page and on your Instagram, and I was just kind of looking for a pic because my brother and I were talking about that car, and I'm like, yeah, I, I got to find that car. And then I found that car, and I said, was that car ever featured in a magazine? You know, I don't think it ever was because I had talked to uh, Stefan, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably won't say his last name right, but everyone knows Stefan. Right, Stephen, right, right. But uh, at the time, he was busy, and I don't think he was able to do it. And then he tried to hook up with the owner – and with him living down there, it was hard for me to orchestrate it, you know. So, anyways, I don't think it ever ended up going in the magazine, you know. And I don't, who knows what, you know. Kind of one of yeah. those things that's kind of. Well, that, and and that's what's crazy because that car, that car is a super nice car. I mean, if you really, you know, what I what I liked about the car, and, and and I think what a lot of people can appreciate about resto custom cars like that, the detail that's put in, because you might take for granted like, oh, look at the door panels, cool, and then you stop and look at the door panels. And you're like, oh, cool. It's got a, it's got an opening pocket, and you know, it's got, it's got some little trick stuff done to it here and there with the seats lowered and all that stuff. Where, you know, when it looks all proportioned and correct, but it's all been customized. That's when it really is, is something really cool that you gotta kind of take a step back and look at all the right. detail, like the cloth, the cloth wrapped wiring. I know. Uh, yeah. Is that kind of your specialty in regards to cars? Like what you really like to do is like some of the wiring and electrical on those cars, or because if you did rolling blackout, rolling blackout is like craziness when it comes to the wiring under the dash of that car like it's completely yeah that one hurt our brains a little <laughs> yeah that thing is completely so sick. much stuff on that car it's like nasa type stuff you know what i mean 
Well, because I, I know that it's got the roll cage, but the roll cage has solenoids in it that yeah. lock when you when you turn the ignition on or when you lock the car. Or what's you the deal? You could probably do an entire episode on just the stuff on that car. And, and you know, well, it'll get sidetracked bad if we get down that that rabbit hole. But no, no, no. Hey, look, we're here to chop it up and to talk about whatever. Right, right. But I mean that car. That car when I I remember seeing the wiring paneling under that car and I thought, holy crap, dude! Like someone did some serious. Some serious wiring, and that car's got what you don't see in Volkswagen. It's got relays and all kinds of, you know, electronic switches, and then the engraved panels and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's just nuts, man. The wiring, the, the intensity of the wiring. Like, like, what are some of the trick stuff that car has from an electronic standpoint that you like you don't even see on the surface? Yeah, so I'll, I'll try and give the rundown as best as I can. You know, the yeah, you know, Jimmy Larson built the car. And, you know, and then as it goes, the owner, any any new little trick thing that seems like it's, you know, a little better than the last one, it was like it keeps getting switched out before the thing ever gets done. So it's like right, kind of a tough deal because, you know, sometimes when you're doing these things, you kind of got to, like, get a game plan and stick with it because if you keep changing it, 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 it's hard to go backwards on certain stuff. And, then, you know, afterthoughts, you know, so it's tough to, like, plan out that stuff when it's already been done and redoing and – but – the car got built to a certain point, and, and, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know what state it was when it left, but, like, then it, it got shipped off to Buddy to paint in pieces, you know? And I was like, man, how, how the heck did you manage to get the car back together to even the point it was when we saw it with – there's so many weird little brackets and things underneath, and, I mean, all kinds of cool CNC little parts and widgets and whatever you want to call it. Went to him with, you know, hey, like, get this stuff chrome, get this painted – powder coat or whatever and you know he got it back together to a certain point and then uh and i don't know there's a lot of like who knows what in the in the, in the background of what was done and not done before after and during but uh it came to us and i was like he wanted us to tidy up the wiring yeah so we kind of went that route and we talked with the customer and said hey like this is what we got we went through and made like you know there's like just a you know two or three page four page book essentially of stuff that like hey here, here's provisions for all these things on the car but there's parts missing that need to be components that need to be mounted and put in place before you even wire it let alone you know make it all work sure. so from there we went through and you know uh, i could I, I can't remember probably half the stuff but went through and you know i had to mount the computer you know there's like an area on the cage in the back where you know you probably saw the pictures with the of the wiring stuff with the with the stuff out of the back seat None of those components were mounted, and I think it had a different computer at one time. So, like, we kind of had to go back and, you know, remake everything and mount everything. And, you know, some stuff was stayed the same, but as sure. far as a fire system, it has uh, the air solenoids that work the uh, part of the, the squirter stuff, part of the the, the, the the rams in the doors. And none of that stuff was even hooked up or there. There's, like, an air compressor. Like, none of that stuff was even there hooked up. So we had to, like, mount some of the stuff. And, uh, I mean we could go on and on and on and you know yeah. whatever you know what i mean but uh, yeah so a lot of that a, a lot of that type of stuff that you do was that kind of like stuff where he had it done on the car and then you wanted to make it work or you kind of you kind of looked at the car and said man well if you're gonna go this far with this you might as well get to that and add this and do this and kind of pull these things no, together or some of the stuff <laughs> was like done but not you know some of it never got finished i think the, the owner just got to the point where he was wanting to get the car done, but not realizing 
I don't think you ever really realize what it takes to actually build the whole thing and what goes into making everything work. It's one thing to like put a component component in the car and you know and, and mount it, but actually yeah. to make it work and function is a whole different deal too, you know. And oh yeah. So it was kind of a point where it wasn't really the car was never really finished, which you know typically I like to get everything as far done as you can before paint. That way, when you're going back together on the far side, it, it goes together without any issues. When you have to start cutting and fitting and clearancing after paint, it's like, man, you're just asking for trouble, you know? You know, when, like when I took the car to Buddy, I'm like, I don't have this, I don't have the skill, the eye for detail or the thought to look at a door, a, a, a door, um, a door hinge and go, okay, I'll get Allen head these, stainless that, this, that. Me, I'm just I'm I'm the same as probably Steve was on that car. Like, man, I'm 80%. Let's just wire this pig and get it driving because you know you work so long on a project that you want to get it going. But you know, it it it's one of those things where I think it always happens on projects that they they have a tendency to just go completely sideways. And, and upcoming on the podcast, I'm gonna do some uh you know, kind of the top 10 things that you should be looking for or have a plan for when you're building a car. And one of those things that's pretty important is to have a plan built so much faster when there's a plan. When it's like, oh, this cool. is what I want, this is how I want to look. You know, because sometimes the big sticking points in building cars is like, hey, well, did you want to do A or B? I'm still waiting. It's been two weeks. Right. Do you want to do, you know, this or that? And then it just delays the project. And then, you know, for all people involved, man, it just, something that could take a year turns into two, three. And I think that car... That car, that car's ten years in the making, I think, yeah. easily, because it it, it was and it was he, in the. And he's still messing with it, like yeah. he don't even quit. He just he keeps doing stuff on it over and over I, and over and over. It's like, hey man, like call it good and go on to another, you know, the next big deal. You know what I mean? Well, and what's what, listen, I love that car, man. I think that car is. I love the seats in that car. I love, I mean, I like a lot of stuff. I mean, I hate that it's black because I own some things <laughs> that are black and. They're only shiny and nice one time, and right. then as soon as you touch it, there's a swirl mark. And, oh, totally. And, you know, I've got a split window coming out um, sooner or later, and uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, that car's coming out. It's the it's it's uh, that car. I'm gonna do some of the things like I'm gonna do the wiring on that car myself. But you know, the the paint body buddy did. He did all the metalwork, paint body, uh, right. suspension buddy buddy assembled all the suspension on the chassis. So buddy basically roughed the whole car in. Did all the did all the pretty shiny stuff, and then I'm gonna button up all the loose ends when I get it back. And so, right. But it's that car has been a little while in the making. You know well, what I mean? Well, it's tough too. You know, like it, it, depending on you know what your budget is. You know, that's a big part. And, and it's like, hey, if you're going somewhere, it's in everyone's best interest to have, like you said, the plan going into it. You know, and but you know, and, and every single one of them is gonna veer off the trail a little bit like, Oh, you know what? Hey, this, this came out or, Hey, you know what? I decided now that it's coming together, I want to add this. That's cool. You know, but you got to stick to somewhat of a deal. I mean, you know, if you're a detail freak and you know, every time something new comes out, you can't, you can't change everything, you know, and it's no. like, sometimes you got to call good enough, good enough, but it's expensive to go backwards. Right. You know, if you do everything two or three times, you know, and it's tough too, when you have multiple parties involved, because the reality is every party has a different idea of what what should be done, right. what shouldn't be done. And that's fine. That's what makes them all different and everybody's creative thing. But there's kind of like a continuity when you're doing a complete car from start to finish that, hey, you know, I know how much room I want to leave for, you know, clearance here for a certain, uh, you know, finish. Like, you know, whether it's powder coating or paint or, 
or, or just certain way things go together, you know, in orders. And it's like, you know, you can't, you can't experience that until you've worked on it a little bit and figure it out, you know, it's like, so jumping around, it's kind of a really not a recommended thing, you know, I mean, I hear guys that come to my shop all the time that are like, yeah, I have this car over the shop and these projects are commitments and you got to trust that you got to trust the customer and they got to trust you. And if there's, if that's not there, then it's not a good mix, you know, because ultimately you, 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 you got to be able to work together for, you know, let's say an average build is two years on cars. You got to be able to work together in that time. And then, you know, if you're doing something real crazy and hand built, it takes even longer. So if you're not on the same page with somebody, it's, you know, kind of like being in a bad relationship, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's not healthy. You know what I mean? But without it's, question, it's good. Cause I'll, I'll have guys that'll come here and they, 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 you know, I always end up with these cars that are derelicts that I have to like, you know, go through and like fix and it's i think usually what happens is someone comes across a project and they start building it and they they're trying to do the budget route and, and i think it just comes down to communication more than anything it, you know everybody's idea of a uh i just want an eight and then this person wants a 10 well your version of an eight and my version of an eight are probably in two different spots sometimes you know? right so there's that that issue and then when you got someone that's got a car somewhere else they're they're like hey i, I don't want to spend a lot of money i just want to do a budget so they kind of might get something, you know, do something in a hurry, we'll say, for the better lack of terms, hack it out. And then they're having issues with something not fitting right or, you know, a hood's crashing into something or, you know, you chip, get a chip paint, whatever. There's, there's all kinds of weird stories I can tell you, you know, over the years. But yeah. so when you when you ultimately get into that point, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to take this car from this guy. You know, it's like, hey, you're, you're almost done. You're at the finish line. You would be out of your mind to pull your car out of this other shop unless something detrimental is going wrong. But sure. to pull it out of there and have me try and figure it out, you're going to spend more money trying to, to reinvent the wheel. If the car's coming out good and he's doing a good job, you know, but there's all kinds of different, you know. Uh, well, and I, and, and I think that's kind of the thing, you know, depend, you, you really got to, uh, one of the things about building a car, you got you also got to qualify the shop you're taking it to. Right. I don't think, I don't think you roll into a place with the name fabrication in the name and you're rolling in there on a budget. I mean, because oh, your no, purpose for going in there, it's like, they're going to you because they see the fabrication, the custom stuff that you do. Their air cleaner, their air, their air cleaner was made, they, and that's fifteen hundred bucks. And right. some people they, they don't wrap their mind around that. Like, no, yeah, that's no. that's got you know, it's got twenty five man hours in it, and it's aluminum, and it's welded, and it's and it's polished, and it's this, and it's like, and so some people, you know, I I don't know if you remember my Type thirty four Gia, the gray Gia yeah. on, on the Cosmics, that car, if if something on that car. And, and I got to a point with that car where it was like, screw it now. Like I'm already this deep in it. I right. can't half step it from here. So like no, the, totally. the exhaust system I had in that car, perfect example. The exhaust I had built by a company on the East Coast called Tangerine Racing. The guy wow. just builds 914 exhaust. The guy custom built a TIG welded exhaust from the East Coast that had a can and an, and an exit proportion that came out in the factory location when you start getting that game of like building these next level cars, you know, you're, you're the same as street rod and hot rod money. I, th I think I just saw, I saw an oh, ad, no, totally. I, I saw an ad in Haggerty this, this week that said, uh, how to spend $2.3 million to win $10,000 getting the Riddler right. award, you know, that Cadillac that won the Riddler, the yeah. guy died by the time the car was finished. The poor guy yeah. died. Didn't even see it finished, spent $2.3 million to win 
10 grand. But when, when I'm doing something like that, I'm not trying to build something that you just walk past. I'm trying to build something that when you see it, you know, my crew cab, the, the carbon cab, people know it from when they see it, the bull run bus, they know it from when they see it. And like, and so I want to make sure when I build something, people remember like, man, I, that's one of Bill's cars. And I remember it. And if you're going to go down that road, that's not a cheap road to go down. And I tell people all the time, if they're looking to do a car, like, ah, oh, I want to, I had somebody tell me the other day, yeah, I want to get an old bug and get it restored. You know? And I said, that's 50 grand on the cheap side. What? Cheap side. 50 grand. I'm, I'm just talking about body off the pan, no custom work, body off the pan, metal work, paint, a restoration. You know, I had, I had cooker on last week and he says, 50 grand is the cheap end on a full blown blow apart restoration because part of the thing that they, that maybe people don't grasp all the time is that there are very few artisans anymore that can blow apart a car, put it back together, do it correctly, use the right parts and pieces to put it together because, you know, anybody can take it to a shop like, oh, I found this super cheap shop and yeah, they've used, uh, you know, it's a Volkswagen, they use all American bolts in there, but no big deal, they retapped everything or, you know, just nonsense, you know what I mean? So, right. I mean, listen, you want to you, you wanna play the part, you got you to gotta pay the cost, man, you know, yeah. so... So well, it's funny, you know, like you're talking about two, two things. Um, I already forgot the one in my head now. I've been sitting here thinking, holding my paws. <laughs> oh, no, go um, ahead. Jump in, man. Jump in. Uh, dang it. Just, well, we were, we, we were talking about when people ask me about building a car, like I want to buy a bug and build it. I tell them, like, just go buy one done and armor all the tires. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I was going to head to was, you know, you get guys, I'll get guys come in and they're like, I want to build a car. I got some money, but you know, usually they don't want to tell you. No one's like, Hey, I want to drop, you know, 150, 200, 300 grand on a car. They, they come in and yeah, I have some money, but like, you know, it's like a, like a taboo subject sometimes, you know, it's like, well, for me to know where we're headed, I, we need to get a number. If you think you're going to spend, you know, $25,000, that's not going to get us any parts, you know? And, right. you know, I, I tell guys, you want to do in the higher end stuff, by the time you pay for paint, parts, I mean, every part for the whole car, powder coating, plating, I mean, you're going to be pushing $100,000 to get all the, the higher end stuff. And that's without wow. me ever touching it, you know? And oh, yeah. right there, it's like, you know, not, it's me. It's like, well, I'd rather try and scare somebody off. Right. Like, hey, you know, if you're, you're happy about, you know, doing it. And like I said, it's commitment. And you got to know that you want something and, you know, you, you're, you're, you want something that's different from what everybody else has or what you can go buy and. Well, you know. and, and, and part of that, I think, kind of plays into what you do because you've got the fabrication side and then you've also got the F2 apply where you're starting to pull stuff that you made back in the day, kind of mass produce it a little bit. I don't want to say mass produce like it's stamped in China. It's still TIG welded, nice yeah. stuff, all so the oil cooler brackets and stuff that you're making. But right. like those, those things where, okay, I can take this, process this to a point, give somebody a custom touch for a few bucks more than they'd pay for like a regular old cheap cooler. Right. But this way they got something cool and do that. So kind of with your business, you know, you don't got, you don't got a line of people knocking on the door to spend a hundred grand doing fabrication work. So you got to kind of diversify from a business standpoint, like where you're at. So having that bread and butter stuff with the F2 supply side and then the fabrication side kind of balances it out because that, that whole process of get the customer pinpoint what they're doing, lay it out, put the best budget you can together, but it's tough to, it's hard. You can't put a budget on custom stuff because it's open-ended. No, it's really hard. And that's why it's good to know in the get-go, like, Hey, what, what, let's get a plan together and see where we're headed, you know, because part of the budget determines that. But then, you know, also as you're going on, you know, you tell someone, Hey, you're going to spend, 
let's say, you know, middle of the road deals, probably nowadays out here, it's 200 grand, no problem to, to build, you know, a basic entry level deal. And you start on something like that. And it sounds like, wow, I'm going to have to write you a check tomorrow for 200 grand. No, it's going to be over the next couple of years. And then, you know, I got some that guys are on a budget. So you spread it out more and you work on it a little less and you kind of work around that sometimes. But as you get going, it's like it, it, I haven't worked on one customer's car yet that they weren't like, OK, let's go ahead. and You know what? I want to do this, too. Or they see something else, something else on another guy's car. And they're like, oh, I really like that. Let's do that, too. And it's like, OK, I mean, that's all good. It's, you don't have to sell anybody anything. They, they sell themselves. But right. you know, ultimately, it's like we want to do our stuff, you know, and, and do it correctly. You know, we don't want to be hogging out holes and making a mob long to put stuff right. together. You know, the stuff needs to go together correctly. You don't need to use a come along to put stuff together. And, <laughs> you know, and obviously it's got a lot, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, you know, the longer, I think the longer we're all in this business, the more, the more, you know, you get about stuff that you see and you do, and, you know, you learn new things and new tricks. And, you know, we were talking about the parts a little video too. I was going to say, yeah. You know, guys see like, hey, these parts are, you know, X amount. This rubber's, you know, 20 bucks from so-and-so. Okay, well, it's great. Like, you go buy these, uh, you know, and this goes over into whether it's Volkswagen, whether it's, you know, early Fords or Chevy stuff, whatever. You see all these aftermarket parts, and it looks like they're all really cheap. But the reality is when you go to try and bolt it on the car, it's like, wow, this doesn't go together. So now right. you kind of really need to pre-fit everything before it goes to paint because if not, you're going to be – hogging on something that's painted and you know you can you can see the cars have been pre-fit before and the cars that were fit after you know you gotta live with some stuff because you didn't know hey this grill's a quarter inch wider than the original one or or whatever right. it is you know there's always something weird that you need to make fit and work right and i think that's where the real you know a lot of the talent comes from guys is is the more they've done and the experience they have in it you know they they know how to make the stuff work and how to manipulate it and, and, and make it work you know we get cars that you know, every so often here that, you know, Hey, this window rubbers keeps falling out. It's like, okay, well it's a different shape than the original. So you got to cut and grind and do stuff and glue it in place and whatever it is, you know, but it, it, it yeah. goes like that for every aspect of the car, you know? So, and, and, and so bringing that back to what you do at Foothill, like the, the majority of stuff that you do at Foothill fab is, will you just work on chassis for people or whatever? Like they bring they need it fab. They bring it in, they get some stuff done or do you try to do complete builds or kind of what, what's your forte on the fabrication you know, side that you'd prefer to do? I, I like doing the complete builds and, uh, you know, starting out, I thought, Oh, we're going to do all this crazy stuff. And, you know, we started out, I quit my job at SoCal speed shop in uh, 2000 or beginning of 2006, like January 1st, I was here, you know, uh, that was the start of my deal. As far as full time, we had it here a couple years before doing stuff on the side, but, uh, when I started, and that's just like, before the recession. Exactly, I was like, dude, <laughs> like I got this, you know, this is this is gonna work out. And, you know, you start getting a little traction, and all of a sudden, like, <clears throat> the clouds come over and everything's just falling down. And you're like, wow, this is crazy, man. Like, you, you 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 kind of got to the point where you feel like you're making a little headway, and then like everything falls out. I had like you know three or four guys all at the same time were like, oh man, I gotta stop on my car, you know. And you're like, oh wow, this is gonna get hairy, you know. And yeah, you know, we kind of just zig and zag and figured it out and you know kept going but you and know. what's what's funny is if if you look at the car show scene you see the same thing oh three oh four oh five oh six when 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 the economy was just booming and jamming people are just dumping money into cars doing all kinds of stuff 
you hit 2007, it stops. Everybody's like, don't. I got to pull the plug on that project. A couple properties I just had did X, Y, and Z or whatever the case is. So right. you look at the, you'll see cars that weren't getting like some of the big level cars weren't coming out during that time because of what happened in the right. scene. And so you did, you, so you worked at SoCal Speed Shop for a while. Right. And did you work, who'd you work there with? Was Ryan working there too? Yeah. So we, we had all uh, worked for actually me, uh, Let's see, me, Scott Howard, which people call him, or his nickname is Dirty Scott, and uh, Ryan, we all worked with his brother, or his brother, down at a plating facility in Temecula, they made reflectors and stuff, and uh, at the time, I think I, we all, like, started getting laid off of work, so we, like, I went and worked for Fat Jack, and in the interim, I actually was working for a, uh, uh, the race car guy, but he was kind of more, like I said, a street racer, so they ran their deal. They like, they like to work till midnight and right. started like, you know, weird times. And I was like, you know what? I need a normal, a normal deal. It was cool. We, I learned some stuff there, you know, but from there I ended up at uh, Fat Jack's, you know, and that was really the hot rod side of things. And I was in the middle of building my car at the time. And then, you know, worked there for a little while. During that time, Ryan had come to work there. Scott had come to work there. And, uh, you know, we were there for a couple of years. Then Ryan had left and went to SoCal. And, uh, you know, of course, naturally, a little bit after that, I ended up leaving and going to work at SoCal. And then uh, it's a long, drawn-out story, but, you know, I ended up working for a small sheet metal guy out in Huntington Beach for a while because I wanted to learn more of the, the, the sheet metal repair and shaping and stuff like that. And then uh, one of the guys I had worked with at SoCal this old time, where you guys will probably remember him from the TV show, his name was Roy, kind of a crotchety old dude that did yeah. work. He kept yeah. telling me, hey, why don't you come over to Boys? I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good where I'm at, you know. And finally, I ended up kind of getting to the point where I was like, I really want to do my own thing. And I ended up getting my first shop. And uh, I basically left, uh, was at Boys, and then left and went back to SoCal. I kind of worked there twice. Went yeah. There. I don't know, this is going to get real confusing. I SoCal, and Holly used to own them at one point. This is probably all sounds like. Yeah, no, no, podcast, no, man. Dude, but. Pe people are in. Listen, people are interested to know the backstory of what's going on behind you the know, scenes. I, I worked at SoCal, and I, I, ended up, I got sidetracked. So I was in, I was at Fat Jacks. Right. Kind of got me into SoCal. I worked there for you know two or three years, and uh, Holly, the carburetor company, owned them at the time, and they were going through a lot of weird stuff. And that's when I kind of was like, you know what, like things are just trippy here right now, and I, I left and went to work for this, the sheet metal guy because I wanted to learn some different stuff and some guys that were like, hey, go talk to these guys, you know, kind of kind of pointed me in the right direction. So I went, yeah. you know, did that for a while, and I was kind of <coughs> getting the itch to uh, do my own deal, right? So we kind of started renting my first shop. And uh, I had left and went back to Boyd's through Roy. Roy was kind of kept bugging me. I was like, you know what? That'll be a little closer to home and, you know, just a, a better setup. So I worked there for a little while. And then uh, SoCal had called me up and was kind of like needed some help with their product development and some 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 other stuff, and, you know, working on the cars again. I was like, okay, you know, I'll, they, they'd kind of been bought back from Holly at that time. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll come back. You know, like, yeah, that's close to home. It's a good familiar place. I had friends with everybody there, and you know everybody there was you know the, the owner, his wife, his son were all cool people. I got along with really well, so I was like, okay, you know I'm, I'm back there. So I went back there and spent another few years there, and then I just when I left from there to do my own thing. So now I remember watching the TV show and seeing that guy Roy, and he seemed like a real old crotchety cat. Oh, totally. But he was he he was he was entertaining to be around. 
you know? And, and with me, well, when I was working at SoCal, there was, there was Roy, and next to Roy was this other guy named Birdman that taught me a lot of stuff. And uh, he was kind of like, I'm still, you know, was really close with Birdman. And, uh, but him, at Bert, Roy and Birdman were like polar opposites, you know? Birdman was like, everything's got to be a certain way. And he keeps his area real clean. Where Roy was like over there sneaking cigarettes and, you know, <laughs> doing his thing, probably put a little something in the coffee too. And, you know, he, he was just a character by all means. But it was funny to see them two go at it and like, you know, a dynamic, that, you know, like, <laughs> kind of like the odd couple, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. It was kind of fun, but uh, we had a good time together. But, um, you know, Roy ended up back at Boyd's and he had worked there in the early days. And, uh, you know, before when they were hot rods by Boyd and then right. later on it was, you know, uh, I can't remember what it was called now. Uh, Boyd, Boyd got it. Yeah. And anyway, so he finished out his time there until he had passed away, obviously. But, uh, yeah. you know, when I went back to SoCal, I, I kind of did my deal there. I got to learn kind of about doing the product stuff and, you know, as far as, you know, from prototyping to getting it in the package and out the door. So that kind of helped me a little bit in some of the stuff I'm doing now. So it's kind of cool, but. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was, I, I was checking some stuff out on your Instagram and I saw there's, there's a, a pan you have over there. And it's got a tunnel and like an access panel for the tunnel. That's right. like a, like a round deal on the side. And I thought like, oh man, that looks really cool. You know what I mean? Cause an, an access panel is a lot easier than pulling the pedal assembly every time, because that's like a 45 right. minute nightmare, no matter what you're doing. Sure. But it's like those little those little pieces, parts, and details are kind of the custom things that are, are are kind of like, you know, form and function come together to where you can make it look really cool and kind of do some things like that. So, the the artistry of learning that fabrication work is not something that is a just natural because working with different kind of metals and and different kind of uh, you know whether it's thick or thin or or lead or steel or whatever. It's just it just takes practice and technique some of the stuff that you've learned from the old guys man is stuff that uh you know you, you can't go to wyotech and learn that stuff you no. know what i mean it's like the these guys have been around and i'm not disrespecting wyotech but what i'm saying is, is no, I get at, you. as things have evolved it's like you know southern california is kind of the epicenter of like the hot rod deal and, and cars and all that kind of stuff right. and a lot of those guys have been around forever so i mean that's that's awesome that you've got a background where you were able to learn from all these dudes that just had so much history and you get to you know, know them on a one-on-one -on -one basis and, and, and take, that's kind of what we have in this life where we can give to somebody else is like what we know and what we can teach somebody else. And sometimes I know I can speak for my brother who's got a shop. He, he has the toughest time just finding a good, hardworking kid that wants to oh, come and learn something. No idea, man. <laughs> I, that, I that's probably the hardest part of the whole deal. And it's crazy, because, you know, in this new generation of kids, um, uh, they don't have that connection to cars. I think like we do right. because a car to them has been replaced and it seems stupid to say this, but it's true. A car to them has been replaced by the iPhone. Oh, in totally. other words, when you, me, we want to go to the mall or go to the movies or do something like we had to have transportation right. and it wasn't cool to roll up to the mall, taking the public transpo, like rolling up in the bus. You know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. you had, like you had to take your buddy's car or steal your buddy's mom's car, whatever it took. Right. But it's like nowadays kids just hop on the phone and they're in the virtual mall and it's like, it's, it's crazy, you know? So it's like, it takes guys like us that are still on the scene. I know my boys, they're car guys because they have to be like, they're in the garage. I'm like, nope, get off the games, come out in the garage, work on the car, clean this, do that. And what's funny is 
when they sit and do something with their hands and they can take a step back like, wow, man, I did that. That's so right. cool. That that personal sense of accomplishment, like they, instead of just being a consumer all day and consuming things, they actually created something that day, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, and I try and tell guys, young guys are like, oh, I want to do this. It looks like fun. And it's like really something, it's got to be in your heart. If you're not into it and you don't love it and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to end up being just a job and you're going to not like it. You know, if, if you love it, then you're going to push yourself to learn and do new things and, and better yourself. You know, like when you start out, I look back to where I started. You know, when I, when I started building my oval, I didn't know how to weld. I was like, I was like, hey, I got to find somebody to, well, I, I got the apron fit to it. I got to find somebody to weld it on, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and at the time, it was like, man, this is just, you know, uh, something I was like, oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll even go back further. When I was in high school, I, you know, metal shop class. I started trying to weld in there, and I was like, man, I don't know how to do this. So I kind of like gave up. I thought I thought you're supposed to either you could do it or you can't do it. I didn't know any better, you know, at, at right. 15 or whatever. Then I realized later, it's like, oh, you got to practice. And no matter what you're doing, whether it's building cars, painting cars, even if it's being a computer guy, you got to practice this stuff and figure it out. You got to make mistakes to be able to move forward and do better. You know, you can't you can't just be perfect out the gate at anything you do. You got to you got to learn your limitations by ruining some stuff first, you know? And I think oh. a lot of guys don't understand that, but you know, it's funny. Cause you look back at that apron back then you think like, Oh man, now I got to find somebody with a welder that knows how to weld this and do all the super complicated stuff. And now, and now you've got a fabrication shop where you're TIG and MIG and doing all kinds right. of different kind of welding. And meanwhile, you look back at that, but it was your, 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 your barrier to entry. What, and what I tell people all the time is sometimes the hardest thing, is just to do it. Because I talked to my brother yesterday, and he, my brother's got a shop here in town, and he was block sanding the side of a bus, and he's like, "Yeah, my arms are on fire. I've been block sanding a bus all day." Blah blah blah. And I said, "Yeah, you know, I worked at a, I worked at a, a Corvette body shop when I was like 13, right? Under the table, working there, making fiberglass molds for fiberglass." Yeah, right. And I'm like, "Yeah, I did that." And I was like, "It sucked." Like I realized <laughs> at 13 when I was working on something with a piece of sandpaper, I was like, "Nah, this does not." Seem like a good time to me, but I think it takes a certain kind of personality, like a guy who's not a real super social person. That's okay, just him in that car all day, just sure. working on the car, detailing, doing that kind of stuff. Otherwise, if you're trying to do it, you're going to realize you're going to try to rush through it and not do such a great job. And and there are people that can that can put that time and effort and wait to see the result. I, I'm not that guy. That is for sure. I'm too heavy with a hammer. That's for sure. Oh, it's tough too, you know, like you, you spend a lot of time and you get intimate with every bit and corner and piece of the car, you know, and at the same time, you got to be okay with that. And, and there's times where you could, you know, you could spend a whole day working on something and end up ruining a part at the end of the day. And you're like, okay, well, there goes, you know, there goes profit for today and tomorrow, the next day, because, you know, it is what it is and it happens time to time. But, uh, you know, but, but being as the, the guy, the kid building or doing stuff, you know, think, think about it like, if you're working on a car, like when you first started working on your cars, like if you didn't know how to do something, what would you do? You either try and find someone, an old timer that knew, or you know, right. hit up your dad. And if they didn't know, you hit up someone else's dad or whatever, so you can figure it out. Yeah. And nowadays, you can go on YouTube and figure out everything. You know, how to put a new air conditioning unit in your house, you know? Everything. Yeah. It's, that's it's crazy to me. I mean, heck, I use it all the time for stuff. I'm working on a new car. How, how do you fix that? Okay. You know, boom right there yeah it's right, crazy right. Wow. it's like you you have that it, and i think part of what a part of what that does is because you have that instant access you don't retain anything so you're like i'll just go to youtube and i'll do that and then we'll just bing bang boom you know what i mean you'll just kind of go through that and go go on the internet grab it 
look at it, fix it, move on to the next thing. But it's that process. You know, I, I, I think everybody that buys a Volkswagen ends up with an idiot book. You know what I mean? And you all get that idiot book and you're like, oh, okay. You start reading this, this book and, and figure out how to check to see if your main, if your main bearings are all blown out, you know what I mean? Or right. see what's going on. But it's like all those little parts and pieces. That's what we had to turn to. It's like, okay, here's this, you know, 250 page book. I got to flip through and try to figure out, you know, what, what I'm going to do to get my car fixed. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think we, you know, us as the generation of who we are, we can try to make a difference with the kids that we're around. I know when I, when I, when I've got my son or any of his friends, you know, I've got my bus. And so we'll grab all the boys and just throw them in the bus and go, you know, me as a kid playing with hot wheels, is kind of where you see a cool car on the street and then you're like locked in and focused. And then when you're driving something that's super cool and everybody's just gawking at you, you know, it's just a totally different feeling. And, and you see, cause that's what I do when I do, when I hit the bus out, like if I was taking kids to like church dances and stuff like that, I'd load them in the bus and we'd cruise down the strip going across town to go to a bus on Friday night. And these kids, and I'm just blasting music. And these kids are just like, their eyes are this big and they're like, everybody's looking at us. They're taking pictures. They're, you know, and I'm like, right. I'm like, welcome to being a curbside superstar. I'm like, that's what happens when you're rolling a dope ride like this, when you're looking cool in your car. But it's like, that's that. I think for us, like, that's kind of what hooks us in as car guys is like, we're chasing that dream to be that dude that we saw cruising down the boulevard that like that dude's got no problems. You, you see oh. some of the stuff but, you uh, remember back, you know, you seen like, what you thought was a cool car at the time or whatever, you know, and you hear set of 48s or whatever flying by you. You're just like, Oh, like it just gets you fired up. You know, you want to be oh, yeah. or doing something or, you know, and it's like, then as I got further into it, for me, it was like, as I'm building something with my hands, you said earlier, you know, it's like I, I, to take like just a, a, a rectangular chunk of metal or something and form it into something and then have it on the car and look like it's supposed to be there. And, yeah. If someone saw it and maybe they said, you know, to me, the ultimate compliment is like, oh, well, where did you get that? Is that an original this or is it this? You know, no, right. I, I made that myself, you know, and it's like, oh, it looks like it's supposed to be there, you know, and, it, and I think that's when you know you've made some right choices or, or gone down the right path sometimes is you you built something that looks like it's supposed to be there. If you built something that looks like it's not supposed to be there, then everyone's going to let you know. Sure. But wiring, like my new car, my, my new car that, that I'm, uh, when I get my split, back my intention is there's a a, a a controller called ride controller a wi-fi connected to a relay panel so you're so you basically put an ipad an ipad integrate it into the car and that wi-fi is to a control box that controls all the relays uh -huh. but it's like the technology's here now where i think it's so cool but you know and really you just from that from outside of that you just wire it regularly you know some of the volkswagen stuff we've done obviously you're buying a what was it, Wagon Works or whatever the guy's name, I can't remember his name anymore, but uh, you put yeah, in like a factory reproduction white wire harness or, you know, a lot of the stuff we've done, you know, like the great car we're talking about, we built a custom harness and like that one, you know, one time I bought a bunch of spools of different gauge, you know, cloth covered wire and then we built, basically built the harness to a certain point point. then we took it to the guy I got the wire from and he, he's got this old machine from, he's got a couple of them, I think they're from, I want to say early 1900s, maybe even one of them, I think, might even be from the 18, late 1800s. Really? But there's all these spools of, of uh, different types of thread on there, and you put a tracer in, you know, you pick a certain color and you put in, and it kind of puts these cross tracers in it. 
noisy machine, man. Like this, this thing turns on and you can't even hear yourself talk to anybody or yourself talk to yourself even, but it, it's going and making all this noise. And it, you know, you feed this harness through, you know, and he goes through and he show me how he terminates it and, you know, then starts the next leg of the harness. So he does all the small legs and then, you know, does the main part and it kind of pokes through and it comes out real cool, you know, kind of a, you know, if you're doing earlier stuff, you know, and it's kind sure. of, everything has its spot and, you know, it's kind of a neat thing, you know what I mean? But we also like doing the other stuff too, where it's like, hey, you got everything lined up perfect and zip ties every, you know, inch and a half. And, you know, that's, it's, I know this stuff, it's gratifying to do that type of work sometimes. You look at it and you're just like, hey, man, it, it, it's, you know, I know it's just wiring, but but it also looks kind of neat, you know, it looks cool. So, well, and, and that, but, the, but that's one of those differences, like a detailed wiring harness is the difference of, when you open that hood and you don't have to get a wiring cover because the wiring looks so right. good, you want to show it off. You know what I mean? Say that. So when I had the, the oval window, I'll give you some more backstory. So I had, I had sure. the, uh, the car, I sold it basically to help, you know, start the business, get married, bought a house, you know, all this stuff at one time. And for what I sold it for at the time, I sold the car for 28 grand and it was like, People were like, oh, that's crazy. You know, cars aren't worth that much. That hurts. That you hurts know, people, for 28 people grand. People had no idea. And at the time, that was like probably the most any cars had sold for. Big dollars for a bug. Big dollars for yeah. a bug. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it really, if you would have added up the parts, you're well above that to build something. But anyways, so, you know, a little time goes by. Um, the car had changed hands a few times and ended up with a bond that had that gray car. And he, he had the car. And I heard about it was up for sale. And, uh, you know, a part of me wanted to buy the car back to keep. And at the time we were going through, the, the, the economy was basically starting to nosedive. Yeah. Uh, and I had just had like, you know, me and my wife were, I guess I'll give you the personal side note. I don't tell a lot of people. I told my close friends all know about it, but, you know, I'll go advertising it on, you know, social media and all that stuff. Just kind of keep it private usually. But I, I ended up, uh, my wife was pregnant with twins and we lost one. Oh. And... My, uh, uh, my other daughter, she ended up with cerebral palsy and uh, autism, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, and it's like, it was kind of a weird time for us, you know, we were kind of like, sure, hit pretty hard, and then all the economy stuff started happening, it was like, man, we're just kind of like in this weird thing, trying to figure out how to survive and get through and, you know, do our deal, and so it was challenging, but at the time, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, you know, we, we bought the car back, he put up the money, we bought the car back, and I had to pay more to get it back than I sold it for. So it was kind of an interesting deal. And, wow. Uh, the card had been used a little bit, so we cleaned it up, and, you know, there, there was, like, the hood needed, so, uh, uh, the front of it re-sprayed. It had a bunch of rock chips, you know, just did a little clean-up and detail stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. from there, uh, Randy, old bug Randy, put it up on his site for sale, and, uh, you know, it was, like, getting weird because little time was going on, had a couple guys that were interested in it, uh, a couple of them backed out. One guy was Australia. He, he, he never produced. And another guy, you know, back uh, back east, came, flew out, looked at the car, wanted to make some changes to some stuff that I wasn't necessarily fond of. <laughs> right. You're like, no thanks. <laughs> he was going to buy the car. And uh, he, ended up, he ended up going back home and uh, never never ended up buying it. You know, the, 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 the stock market took a, took a dump. And he decided, oh, hey, yeah, I don't want to pull any money out right now or whatever. So I was like, all right, well, it is what it is. And then I got a call from a guy in Florida, and uh, he, he's 
telling me about the car and, you know, asking questions and, you know, on down the list. And he's asking about the wiring. He's all the wiring in that car. He's all, if the wiring's that nice, the rest of the car has to be nice. I'm all, right. yeah, it's, that's accurate, you know. And I'm all, there's, there's stuff that, you know, to me, if you saw the car without interior in it, without door panels on it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy's a nut, you know. But stuff that nobody's ever even seen probably till this day because the stuff's probably never been off of it. But, <laughs> right. but hopefully someday in a hundred years, someone will pull apart and be like, wow, this was done pretty good. But, Anyways, you know, this guy ended up buying the car and, uh, you know, and it sold for more than what, you know, we had bought it for, obviously, you know, because I oh, yeah. wanted to make a little money off of it and whatever. So sure. this guy ended up, this guy ended up with a car. The car, I think, sold for, it was like 42 or something like that. Still cheap? Yeah. Went to Florida and it was there for four years. Five, probably, now you know what, probably been five, seven years ago or something like that, right? With, you know, and I had talked to the guy a couple of times yeah, and he uh, calls me and it's like, hey, he's all, I, I, I kind of want to do something else. I want to build another car. He's all, every time I take the, the old lot, they're like, oh, hey, that's Aaron's car. That's Aaron's like, car. That's yeah, Aaron's so car. Like, yeah, I want, I want to build my old car. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm game. So we talked and, you know, he told me, you know, he's like, hey, I'd like to do like the oval, but I want to do a rag top. I want a turbo fuel injection, you know, and kind of kept upping the deal like hey, i want to do a little bit nicer paint nicer interior i'm like dude you know this is this is a whole different deal completely so right we had the car up for sale and uh in the meantime we, we found him another car 57 ragtop and uh basically you know started buying parts and started doing the build and you know and we've kind of been a little bit more low-key about it lately because you know it seems like everything's kind of for better lack of term, hoard out on social media. So right. Try to keep some of it a little more, you know, under under the roof here. But so, anyways, Love under the radar. Yeah. So we're, we're, we've been working on it and doing doing some stuff and kind of you know doing our thing and it'll be a whole different deal. It's fun for me because you know I, I, I present him some cool ideas and he's like, yeah, let's do it, you know. And it's you know kind of makes it fun and you know kind of lights a fire again, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, absolutely. So so speaking to that. What to what level of input do you like to have with a build? Like, I mean, you're obviously you obviously have to be into what you're building. What degree right. of what degree of input do you like to have, or, or are you hoping the guy's got your style that brings you well, the car? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's what brings someone to you also is your sure. type of style, hopefully. You know, and I've had a couple, you know, where you don't even know you you're mentally you're you're trying to decide, hey, is this guy wasting my time or is this guy, you know, serious? And usually the ones that you think are wasting your time are the ones that are serious, and, and, and the other ones are, like, down to some other deal next week, you know? <clears throat> but we, we had a couple deals. Like, right. we did a, a 56 Ford truck, and, and, and the guy, you know, came in, and he wanted to, like, fill some holes in the bed and do just some little stuff. And next thing you know, we're building a complete truck with a new chassis under it. And uh, but, but trying to, like, you know, everyone's different, you know? And you try to talk to some people, and sometimes they can't visualize you know, what you're explaining and, and maybe I'm not the best at that sometimes, but it's like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about this thing, thinking like, okay, well, this would be cool. Or, Hey, let's do this wheel tire color, this, that, you know, and it's, it's obviously doing what I do. If everybody that came in the door said, do whatever you want, Hey, we'd all be, you know, everybody be doing this. Right. Right. So, but, but ultimately, um, you know, I think the best thing is, you know, you, you, you got customers that come in and, and, and sometimes they want to do stuff that you didn't even think about, you know, like, hey, I saw this. What do you think about this? Okay, well, maybe we could put a little bit of our spin on it and sure. do this. Yeah, cool. You know, it, it, it really comes back to the same thing, the plan, 
and, and being able to collaborate with somebody and, you know, say, hey, you know, I'll have guys, too, that will go and they'll, they'll, they'll start buying a bunch of parts. And you're like, hey, well, that's probably not the best part for what you're building or maybe it's not right. the best part for anybody, what anybody's building. But, <laughs> right. you know, you, you hope that over the years, you know, been in the business for, gosh, 20-some years now or whatever it's been. doesn't seem like it's been that long now that I say it out loud. But, uh, if, you know, you, you, you learn what what's good at the time and, you know, some things get replaced with something better and, but, but that's why someone should be coming to you is for your expertise and to say, hey, like, should I use this chassis or these brakes or this component? Like, you know, and you tell them, hey, this is going to work with this and this is not going to work for what you're doing. And kind of, kind of get, get, like I said, a game plan together, you know. And if yeah. you take it through another step, you'd have someone do a, a drawing and a rendering of it. Like, you know, hey, I want to do this and modify, you know, the roof a little bit or change the back tail section on this, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, you know, just to, to get an idea. I think I think I think having a plan is, is really key. So just no, so I'm threading the needle and I got this right, j j just so I understand this. So the guy that you're building the oval for now used to own the green car. Correct. Yeah, I didn't finish that story, did I? So well, no, no, no. I was just making sure that that I was making sure I got that I got that connected, so and that's the, the car. car. Yeah. And then uh, in the interim, right after we started on the the the, the new car, doesn't have a color per se yet, but um. He, he uh, had it up for sale, and a, a guy from Canada ended up buying it. He, he The guy had called me, and the guy from Florida, his name's Otto, cool dude, got a lot of car collection, you know, all kinds of stuff he's into, you know. And uh, this guy from uh, Canada, he's like, hey, I've talked to this guy, and he was trying to kind of quizzing me. I think he had a Carmen Ghia being built by a, by a local guy for him up there in Canada or something. Sure. And, uh, he called me up and was asking about the car and I said, look, you, you're, you know, for what you're going to pay for it, you know, and he paid a little bit more than what I had even sold it for to auto. And, uh, basically I want to say he, he, once I told him what it was going to cost to just build a to basic build one. car, he realized, yeah. wow, I'm, I'm, I'm money ahead. If I buy this car, I'm like, yeah, without question, it. without keep question, it, keep it the way it is and, you know, do your thing, you know, but, uh, he won't be hearing it in Canada. Hey, that's Aaron's car. <laughs> yeah. That's Aaron's car, eh? <laughs> hey, 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 Ron, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Ron's car. But, right. you know, that it's it's good and bad to a point. I mean, I think, especially when you buy a car, so, so there, you also have to be a little careful, too, because if you buy a car, like a, like a benchmark car, which that was a benchmark car. When it came out, it said a benchmark, right? Sure. And when you buy that, it's like my bull run bus. My bull run bus, just because it was different in O in O three having seventeens and the type four and all that stuff, look, it's not a thing, but it was really different. It stood out for the time. Anybody drives that bus or buys that bus, it's gonna be that bus. Oh, that's that one bus yeah. from what do you call it? It never kind of stands on its own. And, and when I sold my Gia, the guy buying it from me was like, "Hey man, uh, you know, kind of the bummer about it is, no matter what, it'll always be your car." I said, "Nah, man, just change the wheels. You'll be good. You'll be good." You know, right. but I mean, <clears throat> there's something to be said about buying a car. Like every time that car is seen, like if you see that car somewhere, you know, that's Aaron's car and it's a super clean car and it's really, right. really dialed in. So now I wanted to touch base with you back real quick about the wiring. So just some tips for some of our listeners that are out there that might want to go on your, on your, uh, your Instagram, which is Foothill, Foothill Fab. And then also your web, you've got a website, Foothill Fabrication, or are you just on Facebook? Well, we got Facebook. We, I think we spend more time on the 
the, the Instagram. Social we, media. We haven't, but we'll get into that in a bit. Say somebody's got the determination to do their own wiring like that. What What's a key tip that you can give them that that is kind of the way you start? You know, do you like right. lay out all the parts, pieces and switches first and then run the wire? I mean, like what, what's just like a quick overview of like the process? I mean, obviously there's tons of detail, but the main process to make sure that it kind of goes together. <laughs> correct. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for me, I, I, I you know, and, and, and I can't say I do it all 100 percent on my own. Um, Scott was huge on the wiring side of things. All the, the little technical things about, you know, oh, well, we need, you know. This, this circuit breaker and this, you know, relay resistor, components yeah. make it do this. I let him handle that part of it. But as far as, you know, the basics and the visual, obviously that's kind of like I steer that part of it a lot of times too. But, uh, you know, if I'm laying something out, I want to go look at like, okay, let me write down on paper, hey, what are all the components I have that I'm running? You know, electric fuel pump, am I running a line lock? Um, you know, there's, there, there could be a, a basic deal and it could be, a whole different, you know, thing if you've got electric windows on a car, if you've got tire squirters, if you've sure. got, you know, um, GPS theft protection stuff. I mean, just whatever your components are, you lay it out on the paper first, and then I kind of break it up on like, hey, you know, where is this stuff going to be mounted? And it, and it almost kind of start putting together somewhat of a schematic, like, hey, I need, you know, 25 wires to, to go from front to rear of the car of, you know, each gauge size. And, and there's probably some places online if a guy that's a beginner. Um, I know there's some books out there that, you know, hey, you're running a headlight that's X amount of wattage and requires, you know, this fuse size and this gauge wire. And that's probably the best reference if they're going to hand build a harness or something, you know. Sure. If you're doing something like, hey, I've, I've got a basic, you know, Volkswagen restoration, you could buy a, a harness and add to it. Um, you know, and that's probably the easiest way for a guy getting his feet wet, you know, rather than trying to when you're trying to go through and build something sure. from scratch, it's it's a lot more taxing on your brain the first first few times, you know. But but you're back to you're back to a plan is your key point, like a plan, a right. schematic, kind of knowing what you're doing, getting all your parts, pieces, and options put together first, and then start laying it out. I mean, really, before you even pull one strip one wire, you could be looking at a whole schematic and go, "Yep, I think I'm going to pay someone to build me this harness." Now, would you guys build a harness for someone if someone right. needed a harness, or no? You you guys just do the wiring in the car. Well, 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 we'll usually, let's say we have a car we're doing a complete, you know, hand-built harness on, you know, and, and, and I have some people will come in sometimes and say, hey, I want, want you to wire my car. I was like, okay, well, our, you know, you, you got to, like, a, whether it's a, a 67 Bronco or if it's a 32 Ford, a 57 Bug, a, a split window, but whatever it is, um, Volkswagen bus, you, you know, you name it. At, at the end of the day, you you, you got a bunch of components you got to mount. Are you going to put an MSD in it? Are you, you know like I said, line lock, fuel pump, um, all these different things. And it's like, okay, well, there's a bit of time in just getting the stuff mounted before you ever start wiring it, you know? And right. trying to, you know, some guys will come, they're like, they got this box of parts, yeah, I want you to wire it. Well, hey, wiring it's one thing, but like mounting all those components in the car and, and, and getting them in the right spots and making it work with other stuff that's already there, yeah, that's, a, that's a bit of time too. So, you know, there's a difference in cost, I guess is what, what I'm saying. Sure, but, uh, sure. You know, you get past that point of it um you know we'll, we'll, we'll basically get all our stuff mounted and you know and with doing it you know numerous time over the years times over the years you know we try and lay stuff out in the way where you have room to run the wiring and not you know i'll see stuff that comes in sometimes and there's like you know a guy would have like relays and he has like you know say the car's got 10 relays all in one spot and they've got like you know 
a bunch of them stacked together. And it's just, it just kind of gets to be a cluster of mess of stuff, you know, and it makes it a little harder, right. uh, to, a lot harder to route the stuff in a nice fashion. So sure. finding that out, you know, kind of takes a little bit of thought um, where you're going to ground your components and, you know, on down the list, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors in it, but usually we'll get every component laid out to where we think is going to be, you know, sufficient room to run our harness and do our stuff. And then we kind of, Usually we'll start with the bigger wires, you know, our main power stuff. And, you know, we'll say, hey, we got, you know, X amount of foot. Let's start with that guy. And then we're going to add into it, you know, we'll go down our list and say, okay, well, we need these other, you know, X amount of wires for these components. We're going to build that part of the main harness and kind of get it laid out in the car. And then from there, you kind of got some sub, sub harnesses and, you know, different things that you add into it. But, you know, you'll get the main bulk of it into the car lay it out and kind of figure, you know, whether you're going to you know, heat shrink the harness or you're going to zip tie the right. harness, you know, and kind of figure out which way you're going. And then you kind of do your breakouts off your main harness. And, uh, you know, from there you can go back and pull it out. You know, you might have the main harness laid in there and a couple ends connected to figure out where it's going to be and secured if you're trying to run it real super crazy, let's say. And then you'll kind of figure out your breakouts and you'll take it back out of the car and, you know, You'll 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 add your heat shrink or your your cloth covering, whatever it might be. You know what I mean? And it really it's like that for every part of the car. You know, um, a lot of times you'll 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 have little jobs on each section of the car where you're building something, and you know you're gonna put it in the car and you're gonna take it off and you're gonna put it in the car and take it off. You know, it might be coming in and out of the car. A fender might come on and off the car. You know, 20, 30 times. You know, maybe in one day to, yeah, to that- fit and you know, change a gap on something. I mean, it just, it's very labor intensive. And that's the part that like, if a guy comes in and sees, Hey, this gap looks terrible. Well, yeah, we gotta, we gotta cut this and re- reshape the whole thing. Now he might come in and it looks all perfect already and not realize how much work it took to get from point A to point B and be like, then when you tell him like, Hey, you know, I, whoa, how, how long did it take? You're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, dude. You gotta, you got to take this, you got to cut, you know, this whole section out, mount it up to the car so it, you know, holds the shape and piece, you know. And so I try to walk everybody through that, though, as they come in. And it's nice, the guys that are, you know, we got stuff we do for guys that are out of state a lot of times, but we got stuff that we do for locals. And they'll come in every week and they'll see what's going on and you, you'll, like, show them. And then, you know, they kind of get to see the process, which, you know, makes it easier in some parts. And some guys, you know, they're not, they don't really care. They just, you know, want to do it, get it done. But, uh yeah. You know, but you've done enough of it yourself. You know how labor intensive the stuff is and the time it takes to do it and do it right, you know? Oh, yeah, without question. And and so talking about, like, getting some of your inspiration for things, now you don't you, – you, your shop doesn't work on just Volkswagen. You work on any kind of hot rod, whatever. You know – What do you work on? It, it's kind of funny. We – you know, I did my car and kind of uh, – I don't know if moved on from it is the right term, but, you know – Sold it, did all my stuff, moving on with life, doing your thing, you know. And, you know, I always I, – I like everything, you know. I like hot rods. I like off-road stuff. I mean, you know, you had the trip down to Baja. So that sounds like a cool time to me, man. Oh, yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm into all that, you know what I mean? But so so for me, it's like not, not so much a matter of like, hey, I only know this. You know, sometimes people think, oh, you're just a Volkswagen guy or you're just an early Ford guy. It's like for me, it's like – to me, it's I'm not, I would say a challenge, but like I'll look at anything, it, whatever it is, and it's a early Ferrari or a Hudson or a, or a, you know, a new car, whatever it might be. I can look at it for myself and say, hey, you know what? Oh, I think 
this would be cool if you did this, you know, and I might be building stuff in my head without even ever owning one or doing it for somebody. But, you know, you, you look at stuff and think, oh, this is kind of how I would modify or the cool thing I would do to change it. And, you know, and it kind of crosses over into all these cars. I mean, I've got a, a Jaguar, a 56 Jaguar in the shop right now. It's, you know, been kind of a, an ongoing deal with the, you know, the customer. He's got a couple projects. He's kind of jumps back and forth between, but, uh, you know, we've got, well, we just finished a 34 Ford chassis for a guy. Um, you know, we got to, you know, basically set the car up the way we thought it should be set up as far as, you know, height and stance and stuff. Um, we got a 37 Ford in here for uh, actually another Volkswagen guy, his, his dad's car. Uh, nice. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, we've been, we've been tinkering with that one for a real long time, but, uh, you know, he's he, another deal. He, he's on a budget, so he, but he wants it real crazy. So we, we've been doing that one for a while, but it's getting real close to going to paint. So that won't be cool to see finished. Um, what else we got in here? Um, the 57 Volkswagen. Um, right now I've got a, a guy that we, friend we've hooked up with that, uh, he just does, uh, early vintage German motorcycles and, uh, oh, really? You know, we're, we're doing some sheet metal work usually, like, you know, right now we're fitting the fenders on a, a 36 BMW um, motorcycle. Um, what else? I mean, and it's not so much I try to want to, not so much I try to jump around, but, like, you try to do nice work for people and the word, you know, it's all been word of mouth all these yeah. years. I've never advertised anywhere. So it's like, you know, this guy tells this guy and on down the list. So, you know, you get people showing up from all kinds of different walks of life, really. Yeah. And uh, I, and I think part of the challenge being, being a, being a full blown fabricator with a history of working on hot rods being, I would say mostly known at least in the VW scene for building VWs. But the reality is quality workmanship and craftsmanship is hard to find. One of the things about the podcast is getting you out there, letting people know that really what you guys do. And, and it's because sometimes we, as, as, as much as, you know, you have enough business because people call cause your reputation, cause of Southern California, right. you know, you're, you're near 13 million people within a hundred mile radius. But the reality is there might be somebody sitting back somewhere, just looking at a magazine, looking at that car you built thinking like, man, I'd like to get a car like that. Oh, here's this guy. And he's got a fab shop, you know, and that's kind of, right. The, the purpose of my podcast is to kind of get people to know the people in the scene that are doing things and did sure. things and created things. And, uh, you know, also, I mean, I'm a bit of a, a car guy as well, all over. I mean, in my garage and I'm sitting here besides my two buses, you see over my shoulder, I've got a 65 Corvair Riviera over there. You know, I've got a car problem, all cars. And I see the uniqueness and inspiration that went into the design development of these cars. And I see, I see what I like when it's like, you see something that someone took like Italian built, built cars have a specific style, right? Like that hand built kind of artisan type tubing and stuff like that. And when you see that crossed over with like a German design, cause German is more function over fashion. Like it's really engineered well, but right. I, I think when you can see those different styles put on to, you know, put onto the cars, you know, like when you look at Rod Emery and the 356s he does with like the, the leather hood strap, stuff like that, right. you know, that's kind of an Italian look that went on to the Porsche, which was kind of a race flavor. But, you know, when you see those styles blended together, I think it, it adds to that canvas of a Volkswagen that we have. Which one of my favorite things about the Volkswagen is like, you can really directions with a VW, you know, from off-road to street to oh, yeah. 
you know, rod, rod buster, you know, coming up on the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Chris Addington who built the rod buster Gia. Right. I mean, you know, that, that's a car that I think we all sit back and, and, and look at that car and think like, holy crap. Like oh, for its time. I mean, it's like insane, you know, man, that, that guy had to have a hundred grand in that car back in 1985. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. I you mean, know, that's, CNC back then was like, <laughs> like you know, kind of military or you know aerospace type stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah. It wasn't it wasn't accessible to the common no. to the general population, you know. Right. But you know that's my that that's what I love about the VWs is that there's a, you can really take a blank canvas of a Volkswagen and kind of make it any way you want it. Make it to where you look at the mega detailed early cars that are out now, fit, finish, and it'll give over a, a well-restored early Mercedes. You know what I mean? Like that high yeah. level, high quality. And it's funny. And it's just by little tweaks, the seat upholstery, the nut and bolts for finish, oh, yeah. paint Dude. quality, like all those things make such a huge difference. Cause we were looking at, I was noticing, you know, some of that 80 stuff is starting to come back, coming, come back from a vintage sample, like hunt down an original eighties car and let's see if we can get these guys to show up to these shows or whatever the case is. But right. it's like back then it was like 80% of everything came out of Johnny Speed and Chrome catalog. And then you either powder coated it to match, painted it, and then had some airbrushing done to it. And that yeah. was like the level of custom shaved right. door handles, suicide Lubers. doors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some louvers and stuff. So it's, uh, it's interesting to watch the scene. Oh no, it's evolved for sure. You know, and it's like, as time goes on, you know, there's always someone, there's always someone out there that's better than what you're doing or someone that's going to be better. And you know what I mean? Like, it's cool to see different stuff, you know, like if, if there wasn't so many different things going on, you know, if they were all the same, it'd be boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That's why, that's why I think I love the variety as much as the VW scene is really kind of closed in. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is when I like, there's not a lot of VW people that go to hot rod shows with their Volkswagens. Yeah. I've always made it a point, especially locally to go to like local hot rod shows, or whatever. And people are like Volkswagen, that's really rare. And I'm like, no, there's actually like 500 of them here in town, but these guys don't come out to hot rod shows, but well, you know what too? It, yeah. Back way back. Now I think it's more accepted, but like, you know, when our cars got done, like my car and Ryan's car, we finished them similar to the round. He got his done a little bit before mine. Um, but you know, around the same time, you know, we'd go, being in the hot rod thing, we would go to some stuff, but people looked at you like, you know, like, oh, you're not allowed to be here, you know, kind of attitude. Right. And, uh, it was kind of like a local deal. The guy we worked for, he was part of a, a club thing, this Outriders picnic, and we took our cars to that. And, you know, we, we went in and uh, there was one of the guys in the club was complaining that we can't, they can't be Volkswagens here. And, and Fat Jack that we worked for told the guy, he's all those cars are nicer than anything else here. Why, why not? You know, but after that, they didn't let any Volkswagens back for a while. I don't think there has been any other types of cars back since. But uh, it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of like a, I don't know, taboo or a no-no. Just people weren't accepting right. them. Now I think some of the, the older, older guys are kind of getting to the point where they're they passed on or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think things are kind of more coming together. I think I, I personally think in the next 10, 15, 20 years, it won't be a Volkswagen show. It won't be a... Uh, a Chevy show. It's going to be a, an old car show kind of more than anything. I think, you know, if, if I had to analyze, I guess it, there'll probably still be offshoots of it, but I think as 
you know, the group gets older and, and it gets kind of tighter, you know, more of it's going to be accepted together. You know what I mean? Like the good guy shows that are a little more kind of a little bit of everything kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and there's good parts to it and maybe some, some, some bad parts to it too, but you know, well, it's, you know, because because of the age spread and things that are changing right now, you know, even good guys. So good guys actually started allowing square bodies into the scene, you know, like so all right. the square bodies up to like 1981, I think they're allowing into all the good guy shows. There's like a separate section for the square bodies yeah. because there's so many guys that are our age that when we were kids, those square bodies were cool. They were like right. the cool guy pickup. And now we're getting them and putting LSs in them or doing whatever, like our generation, when I say we, sure. oh, but, they're huge. but now it's affecting like, and, and, and the promoters of good guys were like, yeah, you know, we've realized there's a big demand for that. It's going to change because it's not just buckets anymore, or, you know, all these, all these things that are out there like that. It's, right. well, I think it, too, it all comes down to like a price point in some ways too, you know, the entry level guy, well, what car can he afford? You were getting to a point now. It's like, what what car from the '90s? Let's say, what, what what's a young kid gonna get into from the '90s that you want to see? There's not maybe right. like a, the Fox Body Mustangs, and then like I, some I have one trucks, and, and that's yeah. it, man. There's not like anything else. It's like you're not gonna come out in a in a in a in a Chevy Beretta, you know. And if you are, no. I don't know if you got if you got the Z24, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's you're right. I mean, there's there's few cars from the 90s, but even still back then, there were still cars that were cool that were, you know, you're talking the 454 SS pickup, all the right. OBS, all, all the OBS body styles, all those like the 899 Chevy trucks. I mean, I, I just had a Blazer, uh, a two wheel drive Tahoe two door that just got totaled. Unfortunately, my son got T-boned in the thing. Um, luckily, he's okay, but. You know, it was funny because I had to fight with the insurance company. I said, um, they were like, yeah, I'll give you 3200 bucks. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. I said, so I went on the internet and I printed 20 ads for two-wheel drive, two-door Tahoes that were all selling for 10000 or more. Right. And they, long story short, they ended up having to cut me a check. I had to do better research than the insurance company because they were just punching it in their computer and four-door yeah. Tahoe, two-door Tahoe didn't matter. Right. And I was like, no, you're going to check that real quick. And so, but like, even those cars are now starting to push. The IROCs are starting to push all the cars, you know, cyclones and typhoons haven't quite hit it yet. Cause I had a couple of those too, but uh -huh. uh, you know, it, it's like, the, there is some, some cool stuff back in those days. Just pick a Fox body. I've got a Celine Mustang that my buddy got his for high school, like for his graduation. Right. But that car is like those cars. So the Celines are now starting to push the Fox body. So all these cars are pushing this because guys our age are, well, <coughs> I'm probably a little bit older than you. I'm four. I'm, I'm, I'm in my uh, mid forties, but, well, uh, what's a little older. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I figure you're probably in your, in your thirties. I'm, get, I'm getting a little bald. So I'm, I'm 44. So. Yeah. I see, <laughs> yeah, I see. So we're only a couple years difference. And so, but right. all, all, all the guys our age and statistically people in their mid forties, start to buy the stuff that was cool when they were a teenager. You know, that's why I went and bought a cycle exactly. and a typhoon and, and realized it wasn't the smartest thing to buy a 20 some year old GM that's been sitting in the sun. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to find those cars like pristine. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So tell me, let's talk a little bit about, um, so at the fab shop, you primarily do anything fabrication. Someone wants a chassis fabricated. Someone wants, uh, 
custom so, bodywork stuff. I guess stuff you could to... lay out a couple ways. I'll sure. have guys that come in and it might be a, hey, I just want a chassis. You know, I've got a jig set up for doing, I got a chassis table we built and we've got it set up for removable pieces for like a 32 Ford, 34 Ford, and anything else we kind of, you know, we'll set up and mock up at ride height, take measurements and we'll transfer it to our table and kind of have some custom spots for it on there, you know? And, uh, but, you know, we get some jobs that are, depending on budget levels, it might be, hey, we're going to use a, 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 you know, like a SoCal 32 chassis or, you know, whatever whatever the, the job demands, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind sure. of a thing where like, okay, we get to build a chassis for this car. Okay, great. Then we'll set it up and we'll build it. And if we build it around, you know, like we just did this 34. Now, you could go buy a, a Pete and Jake's chassis, let's say. And it's set up for, let's say, a small block Chevy and, you know, uh, a turbo 350 trans or whatever, you know. But it's more of a, a, a basic thing a guy can order and get shipped to his house and he can start bolting stuff on. And, you know, and if he has a little experience, he can get through it. But most of these projects, you're going to require someone with some outside attention usually at some point. But uh, right. we could use something like that. But if you want something that sits a little lower, if you want to, you know, this car had a Cadillac engine in it, a Trimic 5-speed. But it had a lot of things, had a you know, winner's quick change in it, you know, which I'm probably talking Spanish to the to the Volkswagen scene right now, right? No, and, I think there's uh, I think there's a there's a lot of VW people that are that are cross crossovers, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But but ultimately, you know, you've got this deal that's kind of like custom tailored to the cut, you know, to the to the customer. And you know, you start putting things together. Well, there's so many different combinations you could do on these cars. You know, you could build a jig for something, but I might not do that one again, you know, ever. And right. you set it up like the 34 Ford, let's say, well, there's a limited amount of foot space once you put some of these components in. So we, we raise the floor, we move the floor back a little bit so that the transmission tunnel area doesn't intrude into your foot foot area so bad, you know? Sure. And just little things we put into it to, to, to make it more enjoyable to drive. There's nothing like spending a ton of money on something and having it not be fun to drive when you're done or be uncomfortable. It's or, like you know, cr cramming yourself in a kayak. Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, I mean, there's stuff I've, I've gotten in a car before, you know, like when I was at SoCal, we had a lot of cars that we would do repairs on. And someone brings one of these cars in, you know, it might've been around built 20 years ago, 25 years ago in the eighties or the nineties, whatever it might be, might be, but you bring it in, you get in the car and you gotta like, you gotta like push the throttle with the side of your ankle to like, Move it. Right. I'm a little taller than most guys. I got or longer legs at least. But, right. You know, you you see those things. You're like, wow, this is not something to be fun to drive around town or cruise in or drive across country. So you know, you want to make sure that when it's done, like, hey, this this thing fits the person. You know, and, and we'll take it as far as, you know, you get the chassis done and you're building the car for the person. When it goes to upholstery, I, I make sure that hey, the person who who's going to be driving all the time, you you need to go to the upholstery shop. You need to sit in it. We need to fit you to that car. Make sure you know. As far as even when we're building it too, hey, I want the steering wheel location to be good for you. I want the shifter to be in the right spot for you, the pedals, the seat, like everything kind of plays together. Because if, if any one little thing's out of place, it's not going to be fun to drive. They're going to park it. And, you know, I want to see people use their stuff, you know, and it's better for me. If you drive it to everything, then, hey, oh, oh, nice car. Like who, who did your work on it? Oh, hey, Aaron and, you know, if Foothill Fabrication, you know, took care yeah. of me whatever you know but if it's so, parked in the garage no one ever knows you know and so you do chassis setups for like early fords and stuff like that all that kind and, of stuff we'll do, yeah we'll do chassis setups whatever it is you know whether it's a volkswagen like the volkswagen we're doing we narrowed the torsion housing we built irs trailing arms for it um you know we're, we're 
getting ready to finish up. Do you have a end. do you have a table? You have a table set for a VW? You have a table set up for VW? Somewhat. It's, or because it's, it's, it's a pan, it doesn't need one. Well, no, we 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 actually set the stuff up and have some jigs for doing that work. So like you know, we kind of will take take some measurements. Let's say at ride height, we got wheels and tires that we want to run. We mock them up usually. And then we take measurements and say, okay, this is the rake we want on the car and kind of the stance. We transfer that to our chassis table, you know, and the car can go in and sit on there. It locates off of some of the pan mounting bolts that go to the body and to the torsion housing in the rear. And we've got some stuff that, you know, right now we, you know, this car has got a, a bus five speed that Dave Foltz is doing. Um, kind of. Yeah, bus five speed. Explain that to me. A bus five speed out of what? So, so. Is it an market? speed kit on a bus or is a factory bus five speed so well it's a factory four speed and right. like Berg, Berg was doing a, a a five speed kit at one time and i think now they've kind of you know wound their stuff down to where it's like ah, oh, they you know they got limited runs of stuff and different things so dave Foltz started doing a, his own five speed kit for the bus or for the bus trans oh really you know? so we actually just kind of hit, hit him up at the same time as he started doing them. And we actually got some of the first pieces to, to mock up with our build. And uh, so we kind of set our chassis table up to, to run this five speed and be able to utilize, but we're changing it to IRS too, but yeah. to utilize, you know, a stock torsion bar still to, you know, clear everything and kind of fit. But this car's you know, going to be a whole different animal anyways with the turbo and it's going to be kind of something that's, you know, it's not going to be under the deck lid. It's going to be hidden underneath the car and, you know, trying nice. to do some stuff that's different and, you know, a little more, you know, creative and, you know, cutting edge, maybe whatever you want to call it. But, um, I but, like it. but, but I'm going off the, 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 the tangent, but, but ultimately we've got the chassis tables, got some Volkswagen stuff set up for it, you know, and early Ford stuff. And then other than that, most of the stuff is custom and we kind of set it up to per, per car, you know, one car, you know, you could build, two different 37 Fords and they might have two completely different wheel tire combinations and it's going to make the chassis components mount in different places, you know? So yeah. it, just, it really depends, you know? So if somebody brings you like a deck lid, a steel deck lid, and they're like, Hey man, I want you to weld in some custom like impy air intakes. Can you like, that's some, that's work that you'll do. Like if somebody brings you a deck lid and wants you to. So if you scroll back far enough on the Instagram, you could actually find the one I did for the, the rolling blackout car. Right. I think that car's got like five hoods and five deck lids and whatever, you know. But right. uh, the, the the incarnation right now is, uh, uh, you know, he had a, a actually Danny Gabbard did him a, a deck lid for that car, and uh, beautiful job. And Danny does awesome metal work. And uh, Steve decided he wanted uh, something that looked more like the factory MP one, but they didn't make one for a '67. So. Right. We took one and, you know, basically, you know, recreated our version of it, you know, as close as we could. And I think Danny stamped the MP, you know, the badge logo onto the deck lid for him. Nice. Um, you know, we did that. I think we've done one or two of those now. Um, actually, the other one was a little bit different, was clearance for like, you know, had some uh, some scoops in it that were actually the clear, like, what kind of size carburetors that were now. They were like a 50. 52s. 58. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, it, some of the large velocity stack and you know, right. the car that Steve was doing, but uh, you know, it, it, anything along the lines of sheet metal, chassis work, wiring, you know, basically we'll do everything here except the paint work. I mean, we don't assemble engines. We don't, uh, we don't do the paint work here. We don't do the upholstery work here, but I got, you know, 
guys that we work closely with that we have long relation long-term relationships with that we you know like what they do and they work with us and you know we, we can produce a, a complete turnkey car when you're done or we can just do a chassis for you it just really depends on a how busy we are at the time or you know what the person wants or you know all right we've kind of, we've kind of been under the radar over the last you know i've been doing this 12 12 12 or so years now on my own and you know with the economy stuff and my personal stuff it just like we kind of have stayed under the radar you know we haven't been out there doing shows and you know and we had work the whole time too but at the same time i think it's kind of I don't know if hurt is the right word, but 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 kind of hindered. Like you know, I don't think people know that we build complete cars or we do that type mm-hmm. of stuff. You know. Yeah, because you guys are more at the shop and less on social media and doing that stuff. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, I got to get on social media and put something out there. You know, the funny thing to me is like, you know, within the car scene, there's so many things that are like the best kept secrets. Like Vegas is a place that where, where I'm from, it kind of bugs me a little bit. I, I remember. Uh, I had heard cross that there was a, a super Chevy was having a car show at the speedway. I was like, cool. I'm going to go out there and check it out. This is super Chevy, the magazine. I go out there. There's like 12 cars there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like, you know, in the car scene, everything kind of becomes these best kept secrets. And, and like I said, my purpose with the podcast is kind of bring people, right. let them know about all the stuff because I'm into so much of the VW stuff and I've been in the game a little bit to where I've seen so many different people and cars and met guys like you and things like this. And that's why I'm kind of wanting to do this to, to get people to know what you do. Look, check you out, you know, look at your Instagram, check out your Facebook and that kind of stuff. And right. so now with this transition, let's transition into F2 performance. So, you know, we, we started this deal here. The Foothill Fab was the first, you know, deal. And, and when I started, I, I knew I wanted to do some parts and we've, we've done a few different little things, machine pieces and kind of universal parts that go back and forth. We did like, I think one of our first things was a, uh, a fuel filter, um, that says F2 on the top, you know, has our logo on it and real neat piece. I just always had used stuff over the years. that was like, it wasn't necessarily geared towards an early hot rod guy, but, um, you know, something that everybody could use that, that looked cool. It wasn't just a generic, you know, like the old Fram orange top thing with a, what they called chrome, but it was silver base, you know, yeah. just a Taiwan looking deal, right? <clears throat> well, I was trying to do some stuff to me, obviously being the detail oriented deal. It, it, I want to do something neat that, you know, kind of stood out a little more, you know, and, and, and you know, most everybody that sees it is like, oh man, I, I want one of those, you know, so they end up putting one on their car. But, uh, you know, that was kind of our first go around with that. And then, uh, you know, we did, uh, we were doing some solid transmission mounts for the, for the VW stuff. Um, you know, we did those for a bunch of years and, uh, kind of got to a point we kind of like had it done anymore. We actually just did a run of them, literally got those done in the last month and, uh, have them at the tumbling shop right now, getting cleaned up and getting ready to weld some together. But, uh, you know, that was kind of our first Volkswagen part. And then, uh, during the process of working with Buddy on some stuff, we, uh, I want to say it was uh, Gary Stell's car. We did uh, the, the first. The Gia? Yeah, the Gia. We did the first uh, cooler mount, you know. It was one of those things where it was like, you know, uh, he, he's got some stuff and he's good, you know, with his customers and he's got some price points he's working with. I was like, hey, you know, I'll do this deal. And I and it really, I, I never made any money off the stuff. It was like, I buy this cooler for like, you know, 250 bucks. And then I spent like a day and a half on the thing. It's like, you know, I'm, you know, selling it for like, you know, 450 or whatever it was. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, well, it was kind of fun to make. 
but it was like right. they didn't make any money. So I did that one. Then it was like all of a sudden it was like, hey, I need another one of those. I need another one of those. It was like, oh man. So I did a couple. We did some that were a little quicker to go together, but we've done yeah, I don't know. We probably did four or five maybe on some various cars that he was doing. And I hadn't done any production ones at that point. But it was kind of one of those deals. I was like, man, I, I'm you know, it's kind of burns too much time. I didn't really want to do them anymore. And then uh, yeah. Dean Kirsten had one on his car. And then all of a sudden, I, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I was busy with other stuff. And all of a sudden, I started getting, like, these massive amounts of phone calls. Yeah, I want to buy one of your oil coolers. And I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> well, the miscommunication, you know, down the list, you know, uh, Dean had put it in the magazine that we were doing these cooler kits. And I was like, oh, dude, like, I can't <laughs> the, possibly The Foothills Fab oil cooler kit, and you're like, like I'm like, I'm going to have to charge, like, you know. Dude, I don't have that kind of time to burn thousand yeah, bucks be a deal it was like hey you know if i did it for you i'm gonna have to charge you like two grand you know to build this cooler it's just got too much time in it so i kept getting these calls and i was like it's kind of crazy you know like i'm all maybe maybe i need to like revisit it and think okay maybe i need to do like a, a production version you know streamline the design yeah right yeah. so so i thought okay here's what i'll do i thought you know i was building one maybe two at a time at the most and i thought oh, okay i'll do i'll do a run of like i think i did six of them was the first deal and I did, I, I started building them and I literally, before they were done, I think I had all six were sold and I was like, all right, so there is something here. So then I took it to the next step. I took all my patterns and my dimensions and drawings to, to my local laser guy. We talked and, you know, did our thing. So he, he cuts me the pieces and, you know, bends them. Then I bring them back and I, I form, you know, the piece that there's kind of like a deal where it, it clamps to the torsion housing. And yeah. I had a million people call me that want them for IRS cars. It doesn't work on an IRS car, unfortunately, because the trailing arm's right in the way. But on the swing axle stuff, it, it, it goes up to the torsion housing. It uses like a T-bolt style clamp, not just a cheap, you know, radiator hose clamp, but it goes on there and clamps to the torsion housing. And uh, it's got an electric fan on it. It's a small fan, Cetrep cooler. So it's all quality stuff. It's not like, you know, my, my car that I built, the Oval, it had like a the Mesa style cooler that you get, sure. you know whatever, I can't remember the time, local, you know, yeah, racing or whatever it, it was. Yeah, off, and, off the wall. Yeah, and then I went and bought a small fan, and like, on, actually on my car and uh, Scott's car, we, we mounted these oil coolers, you know, they were the big, the biggest one you could put on there. At the, time. the 96 and, pass, yeah, you got a cooler. Yeah, did that, built a built an aluminum fan shroud for it, mounted small fans to it, and, and then, you know, took half-inch tubing and made brackets and mounted them under our cars. I'm like, okay, that's cool for that. So the modern evolution of it is these, you know, these little Cetrap coolers are super efficient, way more efficient than the old, you know, 96 pass deals. And basically we, we set it all up, got them cut, and I formed some of the pieces here and then uh, dimple dye them, do all that stuff, weld them together and, you know, start putting these pieces together. So we did, uh, I think the first run we did like, we did that, that initial six and then we did like a run of 25 and those all went away. And I'm on my second, you know, major run of them now. And I think we've done like, I don't know, maybe 10 or so. I mean, we've probably done near 40 or so of these kits, you know, since we started doing them. And, uh, you know, we sell them with fittings, which I guess we'll backtrack there. So I, I kind of early on decided I wanted to, you know, supplement everything and try to try to start a parts deal. And I thought, you know what, there's there's nobody right in my immediate area that sells, you know, the, the end fittings and the hose. And I, I kind of like, enjoy do the, the, doing the plumbing on the cars, you know, making it look real nice, kind of like yeah. wiring, you know. So I, I, we, we ended up buying into uh, XRP and we opened up a store, had a little storefront. And uh, 
kind of started going with that and trying to slowly add in our, our, our parts that we make, you know, sure. to, to, to supplement. And that's actually, you know, we haven't advertised any of it yet. We've kind of just got the ball rolling and, you know, I have a long list of other stuff we're going to do. Um, just finding the time is the hard part. So, so are you um, making, are you making like uh, uh fuel intake lines for carburetor setups or something done, like that? I haven't done any of that stuff and I thought about it. The only bad part is, you know, the engines or every one of them is a little bit different in width. So right. you got one that's got, you know, two wides for the fuel lines. You do like a T to like some 48s or something. Then, you, you know, you got problems with, oh, hey, my fuel lines leak and it caught my car on fire. So we don't want to get into that. You sure. Know, it's kind of more sure. of a specialty thing. But, well, that's, uh, why, that's why you put the sticker the, on there for the, off-road use only. Right, 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 right. But doing the, 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 the oil coolers, we're going to kind of try to morph that into doing some for the buses. Um, we have a larger cooler because, you, you know, some of these guys see the small cooler and they think it's, they think it's, oh, that's not big enough to cool my car. You know, it's like, well, first off, the car, your car is not, oil, your car is not oil cooled. It's an air cooled car. Air cooled. Yeah. Oil cooled. Yeah. It helps the temperature a little bit, but it's, but ultimately it, it, you need to have all the right stuff on there to make it cool correctly. You know, you hear stuff with guys taking a lot of the factory tin off and then, you know, the bottom side of the cylinder is getting hot and the top side is getting cool and, you know, all kinds of weird stuff, you know, when you start yeah. really talking to the engine guys and, you know, see what's what. And, um, but anyway, these little coolers, you know, we recommend them for guys that are making 200 horsepower less. And I've had a couple guys like, no, it'll be fine. You know, and they, I said, hey, this is what I recommend it for. And I've had a couple guys that are making 220 that in the 250 range that still want the cooler and they've run it and they said they've had good luck with it. So, yeah. you know, there's no, I'm not going to give you the BS of, oh, but we sent it to the laboratory and did testing, you know, and all that. It's, you know, hey. We're, we're using it off of our, our experience and what we've done in the past and worked with different customers and, you know, you know, feedback from the real deal is always better than, you know, you no, know absolutely. stimulated results. You know what I mean? But yeah. Uh, so, so you're doing the, you're doing the, you got the tranny mounts, you've got the, uh, you're, you've, you're doing the tranny mounts, you're doing the oil coolers. Um, what, what else you got? Then you're doing all the, all the, uh, the AN fittings and all that kind of stuff. And so the fact that you know Volkswagens, if a guy calls you up and says, look, I've got uh, a set of 48s I'm running, this is the fuel pump I'm running, this is the this I'm running, right. what fittings do I need? Outfit me with the fittings and give me right. the hose that's going to look the best and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and there's but, a million options when you get down to it. You know, we sell stainless hard line. We sell, you know, there's probably five or six different types of hose depending on the look they want or quality or what they're doing, you know? Um, oh, oh, I know. I bought, you know the, how it is. I, I bought the green hose. I was like, yeah, I, I need uh, the HS79. And it was like 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's green with like a, with a yellow line around Gold it. And I was, I was getting, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Give me some of that. Uh, no problem. She's like, yeah, it's $300. I'm like, um, is that the right yeah. hose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was already, it was, it was already cut. So what is in that hose? That thing got is it laced with gold? What's in there? But yeah, there's I mean right. there's there's, there's super high pressure lines and they're real they're real yeah, space and it's like a Teflon space based hose and it's you know <clears throat> and they actually have that hose along with another one they just come out with themselves to try and compete in the NASCAR stuff. Um, I think that's one of their bigger you know bigger markets is the NASCAR world um, in drag racing and on down the list, but you know, the HS79, they, they were, they, people were shying away because there was some problems with it under, you know, I guess vacuum side of things on like, you know, if you're running like a, um, my brain's not working right now. If you got like an oil system with like a, 
come on, dry sump systems and stuff like that. You know, you, you know, oh, you know yeah. suction side of things. There have you know people. You know, you're you've got this big race team. You know, you want you want everything to be right on. You know, you don't want no problems going, burning money going to the track, right. and you know, and then having a failure because of something you know minute. You know, that you could have changed for a couple dollars, right? But they, so they've come out with this new hose called Pro Plus that is a Teflon-based hose, and I, and I haven't got into carrying all of that stuff yet, but they have reusable ends, they have crimp-on ends, and a lot more variety, but they still carry the other hose too, you know, depending on what sure. you're doing and what look you want and, you know, what application it really comes down to. So there's there's a lot of options with them, which is cool. They're close by for us, so, you know, if, if you want yeah. something specialty that's weird that, like, I don't have, which I, I try to stock as many oddball adapters because I don't like guys having to, I don't like to have to tell someone I don't have something, but we have sure. a lot of stuff, so if I don't have it, I can say, hey, you know, if I order it by you know noon, I have it the next day by ten in the morning. So so it works out pretty good. But but that's the the well, host cool. side, and I sell some other like miscellaneous things. I sell the Citrab coolers, not just the ones for the Volkswagen, but like you know bigger size models with fans or without fans, depending you know if you got you know guy needs a tranny cooler for a car or or a guy's got something you know hey you're making. 300 horsepower and you want the next size up cooler, you know, okay, we got that. We don't, we don't sell, we, we have a universal mount for those uh, applications, but, but not something custom yet. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it just between trying to run everything and make, you know, get through your, you know, we got cars we're building and doing that stuff and trying to run the store, you know, we, we tried working with somebody to do that for a while and it was, it was too hard. Yeah. It's hard. So we've actually just recently, we, we, we kind of, shrunk down we had a, a, a an additional little area where the store was at and we kind of moved everything up to where i'm spent most of my time so right now i've got like you know a bunch of drywall just got finished um gotta do some tile in the in the, in the other office and like so i have my office and the store is connected now but we're still just kind of working on that and finishing everything up and do some more painting and you know the finished stuff and i like everything to be dialed in nice and you know we'll put up some slat wall in here and get it you know Get it all set up so when someone comes in, they can look at the stuff we have and you know, kind of kind of nice. get a good a good feeling for what what we can supply them with, you know. So well, well that well that's good stuff, man. Well, uh, we've been at it for a little while, but it's been <laughs> listen, it's been great getting to chat with you on that oval and some of these cars. When are we gonna be seeing some things hitting the shows that you're coming out with with that oval and that uh, gray car? The guy with the gray's widow needs to bring it out. Whoever he sold it to needs to bring that car. Yeah, out. I don't. I don't know if he's even a Volkswagen guy. I think, I think I heard he was like a maybe a hot rod guy or something else. I don't know. So I, I haven't heard too much of that. Randy Carlson actually, I think, uh, had something to do with that that sale. So he might know more about it. But um, um, other than that, I, 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 you know, I'm not sure if we're gonna bring the car out in bare metal yet or what we're gonna do. We're probably gonna try to shoot some pictures of it in the raw. So. Yeah. As we progress here um, and see how things come together, I'd say over the next year we'll probably be closer to that stage, and uh, you know at least give some more hints of what's going on, and you know get to show some people what's up. So absolutely, man, absolutely. Well, I you know I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and uh, kind yeah, of chat yeah. it up Good here time, on yeah. on Let's Talk Dubs. Um, anybody wants to come check out your shop, they're free to cruise by your shop anytime during your normal business hours down there in Corona. Except lunchtime. Except lunchtime. <laughs> Don't show up at lunchtime. Yeah. Unless you got a big box of tacos, right? That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go down and check out Aaron's shop, Foothill Fabrication. He's down in Corona, California. Um, check out his Instagram, which is uh, which is Foothill Fabrication or Foothill Fab. And then you're on you're on Facebook as well, right? So right. And yeah, uh, F2 Performance Supply page too, which we're just kind of getting going with that. 
it's kind of uh, it's there, but it's 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 you know stagnant at the moment. But we start posting some pictures of our product and different stuff we have going there soon. Well, cool. Well, anybody in the Southern California area, or you don't even if you're down there just to visit, swing in and check them out. Check out they're doing their work on lots of cool stuff. Um, man, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And when you got some stuff coming out, man, feel free to shout at me. We'll get you on the podcast, even if it's just okay. for a few minutes, just talk about what you got coming up and uh, keep you kind of keep everybody plugged in on what's happening over there at Foothill Fab. Right on. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, man. man. Thanks for coming on and uh, and good talking to you. Yeah, definitely. Good time. All right, brother.